It's ghetto, I wanna leave, can you beam me up? I'm out on the street by the corner store, you know the one on 15. Got a bright shirt on, so I'm easy to see. I've been down here stranded indefinitely. I can't reach my planet, but I need to leave. You should see these people, it's hard to believe how they treat each other. All right. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, y'all. So I want to welcome you to the Earth is Ghetto podcast. This is a Black queer podcast as we talk about history, politics, and current events from the Black queer perspective. And I know y'all are so used to seeing Aaron with me. I miss them so much. I really do. But as I said earlier in the week, uh, Aaron Boothang, uh, that is he, they, she that's ever done it, is doing some amazing things on the West Coast. So unfortunately not here, but you will be hearing from him all next week and everything will be back to normal. Whew. Okay. So we're just going to jump directly into the topic. And that is because, to be honest, this is a topic I've been kind of wanting to um, tackle. Um, there, there's a lot of things that I want to be able to tackle, and I feel like it's really difficult these days to be able to do so. Um, now, when we talk about femicide, let's talk. We have to also talk about black femicide because the rates are very different, and it's just the truth. So I have a little article here that I want to go ahead and um, and read you. Just give me a moment, okay? Just pulling it up right now. Okay, here we go. So this is a um, article that's already pinned, actually. So you can go ahead and uh, read it yourself. Um, and this is by uh, Exo Nicole. And let's get into it. All right, here we go. So let's be very clear. In America, one woman is shot fatally by an intimate partner every 14 hours a black woman a black woman as high as uh, for rates as of every eight hours this means that up to four black women are killed daily um forgive me in advance because i know this is gruesome and a very hard pill to swallow sometimes i don't have the stomach for it and this is obviously the article for by exo nicole this is her speaking um, I used to work in homicide for a local district attorney's office. I've heard, seen, and read, and listened to things that the average woman isn't privy to. Femicide can take many shapes and forms. We often hear about the general rape or murder of Black women in abusive relationships, but femicide can also look like Black fathers harming their daughters, too. This can happen when a mother decides to leave an abusive situation or is involved with an abusive partner. Take, for example, a Alice and Ava Williams, ages six and nine years, uh, nine years old, whose father killed them and then killed himself. Before the incident, he was charged with domestic violence. Now, I want to stop there for a second. 
I want to also let you guys know, and I'm sure this is something because of the kind of audience that does come and listen to us. I know you know how often this happens, but I also want to point out the fact that it's not like this woman didn't call the police. A report was filed, but there was no follow through because nobody cared. Um, they just saw another woman complaining about some things that should be kept, quote unquote, in-house. And then the next thing you know, this man ends up murdering her children. This is not this is not an easy topic for me to tackle first thing in the morning. I just want to put that out there. So let's look at what exactly is femicide. What I learned what femicide was, uh, when I learned what femicide was, my heart sank into my stomach and I was saddened to learn um, that my home country of Trinidad, this is a lot of Black Caribbean, Black women, Black American, um, they topped the list with 6.6 .6 deaths per 100,000 women. Um, we were never valued. It is no surprise that femicide is a worldwide epidemic. Women are murdered across Latin America, Southeast Asia, the Middle East, Africa, and the Caribbean. But let's go ahead and take a step back to understand that violence against women is a major public health problem and a violation of human rights. Um, and according to WHO, which is the World Health Organization, uh, violence is the leading cause of injury, disability, and a risk factor for other physical, mental, sexual, and reproductive problems. Um, it's the reason why we are trying to, we are trying so hard to change the narrative in reference to discipline in Black homes, because I don't think that a lot of people realize that if you beat a girl child, she can actually, uh, re she can actually go into puberty faster. And so funny that these are the things that we have going on, but the rhetoric is, look at these fast tail girls. They're just so fast. Um, and I feel like we are never ever looking at the causation of the issues. We're only looking at the symptoms. We're looking at the actual death that happens. And I feel like a lot of times we pretend just talking about it is going to fix the issue and it doesn't. Oh, we have a, a message. Hello, Mr. Adonis. The ghetto culture of America is the scum of the nation. Why do you seem more proud about the ghetto culture when you actually should be really ashamed of that? Okay. Um, I don't know what you mean. Um, there's nothing for us to be ashamed of over here. Um, so yeah, I think you made it to the wrong podcast, my friend. It's okay. But anyway, so I want, the reason why I really wanted people to, um, dive in deep and really talk about this particular issue is because it's something that isn't spoken about. Um, I have had my own personal stories in reference to violence. Um, I grew up that way. My father was a very, very abusive person um, and made my life a living hell for a really long time. And I am not saying that because I need like, you know, flowers and, uh, and chocolates and shit. I'm saying that because that really informed how I dated men, it informed how I interacted with them to the point where, and get this, this is gonna sound really, really fucked up. 
But I didn't even realize how scared of men I was until I realized that I was only dating men who I felt like I could take in a fight. I'm not even joking. It's some of the saddest shit in the world. And I feel like I wish that this was something that was more spoken of, that was more normalized to speak of, because there are Black men out there that actually are willing to protect us. But I'm wondering, are you willing to protect them, uh, protect us from your counterparts? Because it seems like there are so many situations where nothing gets tackled. Nothing gets tackled. We are putting a Band-Aid on a broken bone and we are trying to be like, hey, don't look at all of the other shit going on over there. Look at all of this. Look at this person making money. Look at what just happened here. Look at all of the, the wealth or what have you. As if that makes all of the people who are suffering from this go away. It doesn't. And the reason why I wanted to talk about um, this particular subject is not just because I went through it myself, not in my adult life, but as a child. There is a lot of people out there who are dealing with femicide from all different races. But I just want to make sure we put it out there that in general, women are in danger. Women and femmes are in danger. Every 14 hours, a woman dies. Every eight hours, a Black woman dies. Up to four women a day. We're pretending like this doesn't affect us. We're pretending like, oh, well, we can go ahead and distract you with all the bullshit that we have going on in the world while people are really dying. And I just want to also let you know that number does not include Black trans women. So it literally could be more than four women a day. Now, one of the, I feel like one of the uh, biggest reasons that I felt like this was such an important topic is not just because it wasn't being spoken about, but I almost want to talk about the flippant nature in which we refuse to protect women. We especially refuse to protect Black women. And I noticed that we only want to protect women who we believe is worthy of protecting. So if I feel like I don't respect you in some way, if I don't like the way you parent, if I don't like your job, God forbid you're a sex worker, we literally will say when you end up dying, it was your fault. You walked into this. I feel like people don't realize the victim blaming nature that women are literally have to be put under on a regular basis. And then think about how four times that of black women Interpartner violence is happening to us every single day. And you would think all of these black men who love us, who want to protect us, would be holding more of their counterparts accountable. And it's not something that I see happening. And it's really unfortunate. Um, in, in times like this, I really miss my Aaron, you know? Um, because he would be able to give the perspective of a lot of the Black femmes who are dying. And again, not put in that number. So we still have no idea how many people are really disappearing. Are we even going to talk about Indigenous women? Oh my God. We don't care. 
And I'm getting really sick of it because instead, the only things that are on my TV are is Will Smith and this fucking slap. When I say I am so tired of hearing about that goddamn shit, I cannot tell you how tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. Okay. They got aftermath of the slap. They got all kinds of shit on. all, And I'm just like, you know what? This sounds like rich people business. This sounds like rich people business now. Because at first I was like, well, you know what? I'm glad somebody stood up for their wife because it don't happen very often. And now it's gotten to the point where it's like, okay, this, I don't care no more. I really do not give a fuck. I really couldn't. And we decided we're going to go talk about that shit instead of real things that are happening to people every day. And and just so uh, we are all aware, this I, I feel like we're also not even including the Mexican women at the border who had forced hysterectomies. We have no idea the type of sexual abuse that they have gone through. We have no idea. We know that we're mutilating them. And I find it really funny, and I hate to go off topic, but I find it really funny that all of a sudden we just don't talk about that shit anymore. <laughs> And this is why I'm always going to say this two-party system is never going to help you. Republicans spit in your face and Democrats spit in your food. I would rather be spit-free. You know? Anti-saliva over here in this motherfucker. That's not what I want for myself. Um, I really hope that we can get to a point, and I will say this, I feel like um, the conversation is more easily had than it was 10 years ago. But I also want to say it's still really fucking hard and it shouldn't be. Do you know that a third of women have been sexually assaulted in this country? I know this is too heavy a topic for a lot of people right now and I understand that's why. <laughs> it's probably crickets in this motherfucker and it's cool because the reason why um, it is so important to me. It's not just because I'm a victim myself. I know so many women who just didn't call the police, especially because it was someone they knew. Didn't even bother. I remember after the first time I was assaulted, um, I went to the police and it wasn't, um, uh, it wasn't full grape juice, if you get my meaning, but it was still uh, sexual assault. And I remember going to the police and telling them exactly who it was. Like, I didn't know his name, but when they flipped open that little book and they were like, who did this to you? It was like, eh, that one right there, that nigga, mm -hmm. get him, right? That man told me to my face, the police officer told me to my face, are you sure? And I was like, oh, yeah, I think I, think I would absolutely know. Well, you did say you were drunk earlier. Maybe you should look again. After two months of being stalked by this person, after I filed a police report, come to find out because I was um, I was assaulted um, after I got off a bus and the person followed me home on the bus, right? Come to find out that the bus driver refused to give the videotape because both the bus driver and the person that assaulted me was basically do was mugging women. All in downtown West Palm Beach, they were just mugging women. And that's the reason they refused to give the videotape so they could see actually what happened to me on the bus. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Like, it is, it is insane. 
It is insane. And I and I realized I said, oh, I didn't I didn't experience, you know, that type of violence as an adult. But I obviously that is violence. So, yes. Yes, I did. But I I'm, I feel like it's gotten to the point that especially when women like ourselves who have been through things like this. And this is for all types of women. When you finally get into a relationship, I feel like you really have to figure out. Am I going to tell this person? my trauma because i've been in those situations where you tell somebody who you truly deeply love your trauma because you want them to understand why some of the things are the way they are in your life and i've been in those situations and i've had some really fucked up and adverse reactions i actually had a man tell me once after i told him about some abuse that i had suffered I didn't even get to finish my sentence. This man stops me. He was like, oh my God, uh, that hurts me so much when you say that, you shouldn't say that. And I was just like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. My bad, my bad. I'll keep that to myself. Or I've gotten the reactions where even worse, I feel like even more dangerous is you end up falling with these narcissists undercover who end up weaponizing your trauma against you. I have been told, um, and I also feel like this is, a, this is another type of violence. It's just not physical violence, but that shit was violent. Um, being told no one's ever gonna love you. You're so damaged. You're weak. Why are you so emotional? Every time I would try to put up some type of boundary, every time I would feel like I'm going to stand up for myself, It was just the the dismissal was so strong that it got to the point where I felt like I shouldn't speak, that what I said wasn't worth anything. And do you know what that's like to go through that knowing deep down it's just being shoved deeper, how strong you are, how how absolutely resilient you are, how amazing that you can be. And yet you're in a relationship with a person who is literally taking pieces of your self-esteem every time you have a conversation. And when I talk about femicide, when I talk about black femicide, when I talk about in, uh, black interpartner violence or interpartner violence in general, that's also a part of the deal, verbally. Because I, I remember being young, because my father you know, was not a nice person. And I remember on top of the physical abuse, there was also the verbal abuse. I, I remember I was like, maybe I was cleaning a floor. I made a spill or something. And I don't even remember how old I was. But I remember distinctly having my father turn around and say to my mother, you know, she's not very bright. At least she's pretty. I hope she marries well. Don't expect college for this one. I think I was seven. I, and, and I feel like people don't understand how much you carry that through into regular daily life. Like my father told me at, um, maybe I was 19, that I wouldn't make it to 21 without HIV or a pregnancy. That's what was being poured into me. So guess what? When I finally got into real life and I started dating, I was literally a lamb for slaughter. They just saw someone that they could sit, do the bare minimum for and a bitch was too happy being called beautiful, be, just having somebody say nice things to you. 
will end up leading you into a more abusive situation because you were left raw by childhood. And that's just, and, and that's just what it was for me. I, I got into the world and I had some really traumatic relationships because I was the exact stereotype of looking for love in all of the wrong places. I, I, and you know what else? I feel like for a lot of women who have, who have been through things like that, who have been through abuse or trauma, that's a really hard thing to get back your self-worth. I think that it is a build, like you have to build it from the ground up. You have to take your, your, you have to take the very foundation of yourself. And I think there's also something really fucked up about being told by somebody that you're broken or damaged. Because when I used to hear that, I used to feel, that used to feel so permanent. When I would hear, oh, you're damaged or you're this or you're that, or you've been through, you've just, or I have literally had somebody tell me, oh, you've just been through too much. And I feel like people don't understand how permanent that feels. And I think it really took um, therapy for me. And this is why I say everybody should be in therapy, child. Everybody should be in therapy. Because I feel like without that, I would not have been able to realize that just because something was once broken doesn't mean that it can't be reinforced and made stronger. Doesn't mean that something beautiful can't be made out of these pieces, something more whole, something better than before. I looked at everything that I had gone through as this mar, because I've literally been told by men, like, listen, if you don't have a good relationship with your father, then all you're gonna do is fatherless behavior, child. <laughs> I have heard so much crazy shit. And I wanna say that it was such a beautiful thing when I finally stepped into therapy and stepped into healing and started thinking to myself, damn, that's not permanent. I can fix that. I can make that better. I can build myself. I can reinforce myself. And I really have to thank a lot of my girlfriends who have really kept me grounded. A hundred percent. Like when I say between my friends and my therapists <laughs> and my spirituality child, I am whole. <laughs> I'm not completely healed, but I'm definitely whole. I'm really against this whole broken kind of verbiage that we use with ourselves because you're not broken. Because I wasn't broken. I wasn't. I needed to learn how to build myself up in the right way, but I was never broken. And I'm sick and tired of this narrative of when you go through something that terrible, that you're just broken forever. And that's something that I really thought. I really thought that because of my sexual assaults, it had been multiple, that I was just broken and that I was just a person to be used, especially when you're a person where it happens more than once to you. It's already bad enough when it happens once. Let me tell you, the amount of internal damage I was doing to myself with alcohol and drugs at the time even though it was only a short period of time that I, I, I had the issue, you can still ruin your life in six months. I just want to let everybody know. <laughs> you can absolutely ruin your own life in six months. And um, 
but that was my way of coping was was alcohol um was drugs that was the way that i coped and um for some reason because i was still going to work i was still functional i was being told by everybody else that i'm not sick and i'm okay so i just thought oh, okay i guess i'm just okay i'm okay um and the, i guess the reason why i'm being so <laughs> so fucking transparent like it's a little um it's a little unnerving to be honest um the reason why I am is because there's a lot of women who've gone through exactly what I've gone through and worse. We have no place to speak about it. We have no place to speak about our trauma. We have no place to speak about the things that we go through. And especially as black women, who are we going to? Who are we actually talking to? We are like therapy in general is already like, you know, uh, uh, like at least for, especially for black people, Therapy is not something that we fucking run to. Let's just be honest. So who are we talking to when we go through these things? I think the sad part is, is that we end up going to church. A lot of times. And I just want to let you know how not helpful that was for me. There was so much victim blaming. There was so much you shouldn't have been there. You shouldn't have been wearing that. You shouldn't have been doing this. You shouldn't have been doing that. And... I just also want to let you know, when there are people around you who speak that way about victims, they are not your friend. And that is not a safe place. Stop thinking that, oh, maybe if they knew what happened to me, that they would care. Just so you know, that doesn't make a fucking difference. It really doesn't. They don't care in general, but now it affects them and they care still very fucked up. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to put that out there. Um, and I feel like there's, there's just been so much thing, so many things that as just as women in general that we go through from just turning down a man can be dangerous. Anytime there's a woman in an abusive relationship, they always ask her, why didn't you leave? Do you know how dangerous it is to leave? Do you know how any women end up dying? dying because they want to leave. There have been people, I've seen all kinds of TikToks where people are like, well, you should have told him to his face and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, so you don't want that bitch to show up tomorrow. I see. It's dangerous. And another <laughs> little bit too personal story, but to go ahead and drive the story home, I've also had um, revenge porn done on me. When I say that was some of the most insane shit I've ever been through because I just never thought it could happen to me because I didn't send crazy photos to people. I didn't send, um, you know, videos and stuff to people. This man, during one of our intimate moments, took a video. And I because I had broken up with him because I couldn't do it anymore. I felt like he was a little stalkerish and slightly crazy. And I was just like, you know what? We're just not going to do this and we're just going to move on. And because I refused to speak to him, and this is after, I want to say, a two, three, maybe 400 text messages, sending flowers to my job, trying to show up to my job, all kinds of crazy shit. Uh, oh, I see my bestie in here. Hey, Hallie, she knows, she remembers. Um, and um, I moved to Colorado to get away from him. 
Real talk. I moved to a whole different state. And this man put out, like, had videos all this time, put them up on Instagram under my name and started friending my coworkers. It was some of the most insane shit I think I have ever been through. There were pictures he took out of my phone, a video he took when I wasn't paying attention or, oh my God. And I want to say that sadly, not everybody was supportive in that moment. Real talk. Um, I was actually with somebody else when the videos and everything finally surfaced. And I literally had this man telling me it was my phone that I should have known, that he was crazy. I didn't see the signs. I just don't understand how women can go through something so fucked up and so traumatic and men can turn around and tell us, oh, well, you did that. Even though it was done to you by a man, it was your fault. Cha, when I say it is is so hard. Being a woman in general is hard. Being a black woman, being on the absolute bottom where nobody's really going to listen to you. Um, nobody can't give a fuck if I cry. Listen, I have had many situations with many <laughs> d different types of professional settings. And I will tell you, every time I got into, not an altercation, but anytime I got into a disagreement with a white woman and they started crying, I got written up. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> I'm just going to be real. Didn't matter what it was. So think of all that on top of what you're already supposed to be dealing with. Because women are going to be assaulted every 14 hours. Let's, let's just be real. Every 14 hours, a woman is dying. Not a woman, we don't, we're not talking about the statistic for, uh, for grape juice. <laughs> we're not talking about the statistics for SA. We're not, we're talking about the statistics of death. And it kills me because all of the victim blaming means that black women still don't have a safe space. It still means that women do not have a safe space to be able to say what happened to them. Because they know if they say what happened to them, someone's going to turn it around on them, uh, turn it around on them, and say, "Guess what? You did something wrong." And we see it all the time. Uh, Trey Songs has how many allegations against him? Anytime you see anybody who says, "Oh, I've come out with it," they drag that bitch through the mud. It's the truth. And then you're like, "Oh no, I need you to speak up." Word because it worked out so well for that bitch. Who can't leave her, who can't even leave her house right now and everybody calling her a gold digger even though she lost her job, can't hold a job because she is in such fucking emotional shambles and can't afford therapy. Um, but hey, I can't believe that gold digging whore wants money after the absolute shit that happened to her. Child, listen. But again, the reason why it was something that I really wanted to talk about, the reason why this was something that was so important to me is because we don't see it talked about on any on a lot of black uh, platforms. And every time we do talk about femicide on any any black femicide on any black platforms, I noticed that 
we talk about women dying, but we don't talk about who's killing them. Men, especially black men, are killing us. And that's the truth. Do you know that also statistically, that even though we have higher interpersonal violence within um, the relationship, we are have the lowest rate of calling the police? I know that y'all don't have to reach to wonder why that is. Think about it. Even when Black women are being abused, we are still thinking of the safety of the man. Like something needs to be done, but I don't want him to get shot by the cops. I don't want him to die. Like all, we are, we constantly are putting what we go through on the back burner to save them. And I think that the only way that we are going to be able to fix any of that is when we have cishet men, cishet black men, actually admitting that this is a thing that happens and starting their own platforms to stop it. Because we can talk all day, but I don't know if you notice, they don't listen to us. They don't listen to women. They don't listen to femmes. They don't listen to anytime we say something's going on or something so terrible. What do we hear men say? Oh, well, it's happened to me too. That's happened to me too. Men can never show our pain. Hey, boo, who did it to you? I don't think men want to tell us that they're also scared of men too. I think that's a big deal. They don't want to tell us that they're just as afraid of men as we are. <laughs> and it's the truth because when you look at some of the violence that happens to black boys and black men or what have you, it, a lot of times it's from their own counterparts. And obviously we're talking about outside of police shootings. It's a whole different show. We're not talking about that. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. Um, and I think that because we don't want to have the conversation, Again, we'd rather put a Band-Aid on a broken bone. We'd rather put on something else instead of actually noticing what happens until it happens to you. And I noticed that the people that really care are either femmes, Black femmes, or it's happened to them or it's happened to a loved one. But we can't say that it doesn't happen to men's loved ones because it happens all the time. I don't see them stepping up to the, to the plate to become the same type of advocates. I really don't. Oh, child. Well, anyways, this was going to be a um, a, sh a super short podcast um, because I have to go and get to work and log in. I do want to let y'all know, though, why I'm getting off early. So I'm actually going to a Jasmine Sullivan concert tonight. Ah, I'm so excited. Listen, I'm when I say I'm excited, child, I'm so fucking excited. Um, so I have to log on earlier so I can get off earlier, but I definitely will be posting videos and pictures and stuff to my Instagram. I just want to thank y'all for um, coming in to talk to me, even though I'm all by my lonesome. Y'all still love me. It's okay. Um, I can't wait for uh, Aaron to get back so we can get back to uh, business as per usual. But again, I thank y'all so much for the engagement. I thank y'all so much for being supportive and actually putting up on those listens on Spotify. Every day I log in and I'm just like, oh my God, they love me. <laughs> so I just want to thank y'all for that. So 
Uh, please remember to follow us on our po our podcast Instagram, Earth underscore is underscore ghetto underscore, and obviously follow me on my Instagram, uh, Brahita Sid Noir. Um, and yeah, I guess I will see you back on Monday in the next one, um, and then we'll be able to talk about what Aaron's been doing while he's been gone. Okay, but at the end of the day, just remember that being queer is African, and I love you, hoes. Peace.